Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host. It's Joe Roberts. Joe, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing good, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so, sorry that this podcast has been a bit delayed, but yeah, it's, it's all good. Uh, yeah, no worries. Speak about it. Yeah, I mean, as you've mentioned there, this podcast has been delayed. It's coming out a lot later than usual. We've just had very manic weeks with work and uni work and all of that combined. But we're finally getting round to our Amelia Romagna Grand Prix review, which, as I said, was meant to come out a few days ago. But luckily, we have a two-week, well, from the last race, we had a two-week break. So it's not as bad that this is coming out as late. But yeah, let's get, let's get straight into the review because this weekend was a sprint weekend. So it's formatted differently. So we had qualifying on the Friday, sprint race on the Saturday, and then the race on the Sunday. Let's start off by looking at qualifying. What stood out to you from Friday's session? Um, I think for me, it was just mayhem. I think the sprint race for me ran... I wouldn't say around Imola because I think I think it, it, I'll probably get into that when we talk about the sprint and then the um, the actual race. But yeah, I think qualifying. I think for Friday was very good. It's it's it's. I think it's a nice way of starting the weekend. And also, as we could probably go on to the likes of Mercedes and maybe the Aston Martins, um, it doesn't give them. An, uh, I wouldn't say not enough time. But it doesn't. What's the word? Um, it gives them a limited amount of time to make a, a perfect setup. So it's more like manic and quick. Um, and obviously, it's locked in in, in qualifying. Um, but yeah, qualifying uh, was was good, and the rain made it very very spicy. I probably didn't answer your question, but <laughs> no, that's that's fair enough. You you're right. It was a it was definitely a manic session. I mean, we had five red flags which just shows how manic it was starting off with Albon whose part of his car basically just exploded then we had signs going into a wall Magnussen going into the gravel keeping it out of the wall props to Magnussen who was loser who did lose it but then managed to keep his car going um, and then we had Valtteri Bottas pulling over with a problem and Lando Norris who then caused a red flag. And the red flags had a massive impact on the session because we had signs, meaning that the t- the cars that didn't have time to put a lap in couldn't put a lap in because the weather started declining. There was a bit of, uh, a bit of wet weather, meaning that tyre choice was up for debate. So the Mercedes didn't even come out for... Uh, Q2, which they scraped into, or Hamilton scraped into anyway, and then Q3, Norris's red flag meant that the session was over, so it stood. But yeah, it was a manic qualifying session, lots of red flags, all losing it at the same place, pretty much, apart from, of course, the cars that had technical problems. But it was a, yeah, it was a fun qualifying session. But let's let's move on to the sprint race and this is this was the first sprint race of the year and it had not a different format but it had of course a different point system with the top eight 
getting points with first getting eight points and uh, eighth getting one. So there was definitely more to play for in terms of not just starting higher up the order for the race, but points on offer, which their hope was to let uh, for drivers to put more on the line to get those points. So first sprint race of the year, Joe, what did you think? Was it better or different in any way to the sprint races last year? Um, I think, as I said about with, with the um, with the qualifying being on the Fridays, uh, I think the sprint, I think a per- person around Imola is just, it's interesting because of the rain, the rain aspect. I think, yeah, I think it wasn't the rain aspect. I think it'd be quite a boring sprint just because it's so hard to overtake. Um, but the sprint race, I think for me, was exciting because of Perez and Science trying to fight their way through the field. Um, I think apart from that, it's the likes of Mercedes didn't go very far. I think Hamilton went backwards. I think one, one of the Mercedes went backwards. Um, so I think if, I think there was a sprint race, I think as a proposal, there's there's going to be six sprint races, but I think for, for, I personally wouldn't put it around Imola again, just due to the fact of the hard nature of overtaking. Mm, yeah, I would agree with you on that. It is a track where overtaking is difficult. All the overtakes pretty much were made down the main straight, which on most tracks is where you see a lot of the overtaking happening. But the problem with Imola is there is only one straight. There is only one DRS zone. So there is limited room for overtaking. But I think the race was all right. I don't think it was too standout. Of course, we had Verstappen getting a slow start, uh, Joe DNFing after Gasly making contact with him. Gasly, of course, getting a punch out to go into the pits. Interesting dynamic seeing Sainz and Perez climb up the order, but they didn't really have much competition because being realistic, the Sainz, not the Sainz, the Ferrari and Red Bull packages are just looking so strong at the moment. And then... Verstappen taking the lead on the second to last lap. What I think was nice about this race is that this is the first sprint race where the person who started in first changed position. So there was actually a bit of a fight for first without it being basically a procession where first place didn't have much competition. The battle between Vettel, uh, um, Leclerc and Verstappen was quite interesting and then, of course, second to last lap overtake happened. So that was nice. I just think that they need to choose a better track. Imola isn't the one for a sprint race. Um, I'm not, I've forgotten the other two tracks where they're having sprint races this year, but Austria, for me, you look at a track where a sprint race could be good. Austria, there's loads of overtaking. I think it's Austria and Brazil this year. I, th- yeah. I think it's, I think, I know Brazil is on it, but I think Austria is going to be on it as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've forgotten, but Austria, I think, would be a track that if it's not on it, should be on it because that would be a place where a sprint race would be very good. But yeah, I don't think it was awful. I just don't think it was potentially... I think we've had better, and I just don't think the track really suited the sprint race. But now moving on to Sunday, what were your, first of all, your general thoughts on the race? Um. I don't know. As, as in, it was interesting in terms of the fact that I think it was, I don't know, as in f- for me, 
this, the DRS should have been brought out earlier, as in I think that basically killed it. It it kind of killed the racing. It gained, made, um, for example, like Norris have a massive gap, um, but obviously not McLaren doesn't have the fastest car in order to push the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. Um, the likes of Hamilton couldn't overtake for like, I think it's like 30 laps or something. And then Rosberg made a, a joke where it came onto the camera where it said, oh, Hamilton's been on this battle for like, or tried to overtake Gasly for the 20th time. So I think in terms, in terms of the race, I think if it had the DRS sooner, I think like 10 laps or 15 laps sooner, I think it would have made... Um, the racing more interesting and maybe there'll be more battles and potentially more crashes or, or whatever, just more, more strategic um, because obviously then Leclerc um, at the end of the race um, pitted and trying to take that fastest lap and then ended up binning it. It could have been a scenario where um, Russell or um Maybe Bottas was a bit nearer if the DRS was um, put out sooner. So that's for me, that's my only complaint about the race. But apart from that, um, the gaps made it just a bit bit of a boring race until the last, I think, 10 laps when Leclerc pitted. Mm, yeah, it was not as good as last year's race at Imola. I think that's fair to say. The rain did add an interesting dynamic. So all of the cars starting on one tyre and then you had throughout the race, well, pretty early on before all the cars pitted for soft and medium tyres for... Um, it was It was an interesting thing because they were coming on the radio saying that we're expecting... I mean, McLaren came on the radio and did this coded message about what rain they were expecting and people tried to work out what it was. But then we didn't get any more rain after that. We had like a light sprinkle around a few of the corners, but we didn't have a very intense rain. So I think more if it, if it had rained a bit more, it could have been a bit more interesting. But I still don't think it was too bad. I think the strategy was interesting from the a few of the teams, but again, just not that many opportunities for overtaking. People got stuck in a train, even when DRS came out, Hamilton and Gasly and Albon and all the people in that train still were struggling to get past. So it was it, it was all right. There are a few interesting things, but I don't think it was particularly standout. It's not a race that we're going to look back at the end of the season and talk about it as one of the best races of the season. But it, it wasn't, it won't, I don't think it would be the worst either. But let's now move on to the incident report. And there isn't too much to look at. Lap one, Ricardo and Signs is the main talking point, I guess. They made contact at turn two, causing a safety car and Signs to DNF. They deemed it a racing incident. Joe, do you agree with that decision? Yes, just I think if it's in the dry, I would say it's Ricardo's fault. But just because the curbs were a bit very slippery, just got a bit of um, had to like uh, wrestle the car back to so you can go not just spin. I think if I think if you gave that as a penalty, you're basically saying make make them spin and take more cars out. So 
I, I think it was the um, the correct decision on a race incident, but it was nice for, I think at the end of the race, Ricardo apologizing to science. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think the FIA got it correct today. Mm, yeah, no, I would agree with you on that decision. It was pretty clear coming into turn two that he, after coming into turn one, Ricardo did try and give signs space, but then hit the curb and just lost a bit of control of the car. And as you said, tried to wrestle it back, but then just made contact. The curb basically just bounced him off into the centre of the track. It was, first of all, the FIA look at lap one instance leniently anyway. But the fact that it was in the wet as well, I think a racing incident was fair enough. It was it was no one's fault. It was just an unlucky incident. Now moving on to lap seven, we had Alonso DNFing after contact from a spinning Schumacher, which basically left a hole in his side pods, which was quite a quite an interesting thing to see driving around the track, just this Alpine with this massive hole in the side but of course Schumacher spinning I mean it's not exactly too much of a incident where the FIA are going to get involved but yeah did cause Alonso to DNF and then on lap 20 was the other time that the stewards got involved and that was Ocon getting a five second penalty for an unsafe release after contact with Hamilton do you agree with this decision Joe I don't think there's too much I mean it was a pretty obvious decision. I think, yeah, I think it's it's a slam dunk. I think the only way they can kind of avoid these, I think, unsafe releases, maybe making the pit a bit wider, so then two can go um, abreast, like like um, NASCAR and, and IndyCar do. But yeah, it's 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 Imola pit lane and that that which is also very narrow. So yeah, it's a slam dunk penalty, and it's very very. Lucky it didn't cause a, a crash, as I remember, I think, Ted Kravitz um, saying on the radio. Yeah, no, Ted Kravitz did was very funny because he was started screaming there's been a crash and then he was like, wait, no, there hasn't been a crash. And then, oh, I, I love Ted. But I agree with you, five-second penalty, easy penalty. Felt bad, bad for Ocon because in that point of view, he can't really do anything. He is relying on his pet crew to get him back in there safely and it did end up having a detrimental effect on Hamilton's race which was unfortunate for him be a five second penalty fair enough definite unsafe release and yeah I mean Ocon wasn't going to get points anyway but did drop him down the order with that five second penalty and that is all of the incidents to really talk about from Emila. Not many to talk about, but let's now look at team by team, starting with the team that is still top of the constructors, that being Ferrari. They got a combined 20 points this weekend, of course, having two points opportunities in the sprint and the main race. So we had Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, both disappointing, I would argue, in the race. Leclerc putting his car in second place in qualifying, then coming second in the sprint race, but then finishing sixth in the actual race. Then signs 10th in qualifying after a crash, fourth in the sprint race, climbing his way back up, but then DNFing or the second corner after contact with Ricardo. As we mentioned, Joe, 
how would you summarize Ferrari's weekends? Uh, I, I would say because for me they got the fastest car, I would say it's a pretty shambolic. I think I think you have to be kind of ruthless because I think if it was last year, for example, Mercedes had this weekend which they did some points. It it was disappointing. Um, so for me, I, I think Ferrari kind of missed an opportunity of just consolidating their lead. I think science had the pace over uh, Perez um, for me and could have brought him into the picture to maybe team up on, on Max Verstappen, which just, who just run away with this uh, weekend, which we'll go on to talk about. But yeah, for me, Ferrari, it's getting to a point, I'm not, I'm not saying it's getting to a point, but it's, it's, it's the stage of the season where you kind of define if you're um, champions in the waiting, like, like Mercedes were like two, well, I think 2014, where they had the fastest car um, and took it by the scruff of the neck and just ran away with it. I think Ferrari could easily do that, but it, is it for them getting a bit too complacent um, with how fast their car is? And it's, it's bringing Red Bull back into the picture in terms of the constructors and the drivers as well. Mm, yeah, I think that I agree with you. Ferrari's home race, they should be doing better, especially with how well their car has been forming this year. Signs, to be fair, unlucky in the race. And in the sprint, he did the best he could to give him an opportunity in the race, which was then taken away from him. But then crashing in qualifying, a lot of other drivers did it, but it was a bit of a silly mistake. And then Leclerc, of course, having a spin in the race. I feel like Sainz and Leclerc, while they are immensely talented, are just quite error-prone. We've seen several times with Leclerc, he making mistakes that he can't really afford to be making. But those have happened in previous seasons where Ferrari haven't been fighting for a title. Leclerc needs to cut these mistakes out because Red Bull are coming for them. If they can get their reliability sorted, then Red Bull will be a really fierce opposition. So Leclerc just needs to cut out these mistakes and he will be driver's champion if he can. But then look at signs as well. The amount of times last year when in qualifying or practice sessions, he span into walls. Well, it happened quite frequently last year. And then we had it in qualifying today, him spinning. And then in Australia, we had it in the race, him making an error. It's just for Ferrari anyway. I think that they have the best package in terms of the whole deal, not just pace, but reliability as well. But their drivers just need to be consistent and cut out these mistakes. And that is how Ferrari are going to win the constructors. But moving on to Red Bull. Sorry, Sam. Sam, um, do you think Ferrari are in a place where it's like 2008, where Vettel had a pretty clear shot of winning um, the championship when he'd obviously crashed out in Germany and then um, obviously then Lewis Hamilton win the race? Do you think? I know it's already like I think three races in or four races in, 
it's a bit too soon to say that Ferrari might just bottle it. But do you think it could be a case of them bottling, as in like in I don't know, in like um, Britain around Britain time, uh, where I think it'd be like ten rounds in, where it could be the case where it'd be like on a pendulum, where if Leclerc makes a mistake, it could absolutely destroy him for the right the rest of the season, and then Max or Perez just runs away with the championship and obviously then Red Bull running away with the constructors? I think it could happen. I mean, if Red Bull get their reliability sorted, which was completely not an issue this weekend, Ferrari's biggest issue, as I've just said, is their drivers making mistakes. And if that's a mentality thing that could definitely potentially throw them off this season. I think if they're not going to win the constructors, if Leclerc isn't going to win the drivers, I think it will be down to individual mistakes rather than team mistakes. But I'm I'm still, I mean, we're only four races in, as you mentioned, I'm still pretty confident personally that Leclerc will win the drivers. However, I think if mistakes keep creeping in, then it's going to be close. And we could see teams like McLaren, who are starting to look good, Mercedes, who are rubbish, but we know the like power of the Mercedes engineers and their whole team back in the factory and their money that they have, that they could potentially get a good car together. They could potentially creep up. So I think if they bottle it, it'll be down to individual errors. But in terms of their package, I think it's very strong. That's, that's my opinion anyway. And now, as I said, let's move on to Red Bull, who were very close to getting m- the most points possible from this sprint uh, weekend. So we had Verstappen, who just was just completely dominant, first in qualifying, first in the sprint race, first in the Sunday race with fastest lap. And then Perez getting seventh in qualifying, third in the sprint, and second in the main race. If Perez had got second in the sprint, then that would have been maximum points for Red Bull, which would have been quite the achievement. But 58 points anyway. How would you sum up Red Bull's weekend? I mean, they were just superb. Yeah, I think it was the dominant display. Obviously, I think um, I think the sprint race helped in terms of setting up the car, I think Ferrari, I don't know, I, I think they have more of a, a bigger window to make it into the sweet spot. And obviously because of the tyres, apparently were graining quite a lot in the sprint race um, to let basically Verstappen win the race. So I would say Red Bull had, did have basically annihilated the opposition in terms of everything as in, I, I don't know if, if yeah, I, I, I'll go back to saying, I think the sprint race helped in terms of just them setting up the car and them basically out of the gates. Uh, maybe the sim work they did help them, but ultimately they, they found a package which annihilated. Even Perez did well, which... I think considering, I think what was the last race? Saudi Arabia, was it? Or 
Australia was the last Australia, one. which I don't think he did particularly well at. Um, yeah, I, I think I think both both drivers were on song in in terms of getting the performance on out of that out of that car. I mean, second in Australia and saying Perez didn't do well in that race, I would argue that is very harsh because I, I do want to make a point out of Perez. And as a Perez fan, I think what's really promising to me is that in every race this season, he has got the best out of that car, in my opinion, because we've had, of course, unfortunate events. We had in Bahrain, he was on for a podium, car broke down. We had in Saudi Arabia, where he got pole position and was looking good. And then he pit and it was just a bit of a, a disaster after that because of a red flag to Latifi, if I remember correctly, yeah, to Nicholas Latifi. But he was looking really strong in that race. And then Australia, second place. And then second place in Imola as well. I just think that from not just from a personal standpoint from liking Perez, but from a Red Bull standpoint they will be so happy that they have someone who is going to not necessarily compete with Max, but get points. Do the, do the Bottas role at Mercedes, where he will just consistently get podiums, he'll get a few wins. And Perez last season, while I think he had a good first year in a Red Bull that, in a second Red Bull seat, which has thrown up a lot of surprises with the driver lineup. I think that this year he's finally kicking on and four races in, he is the one that could really help Red Bull in their fight with Ferrari because there's no doubting Verstappen's talent and no doubting that Verstappen's going to push Ferrari all the way. But I think from their point of view, it's really good that Perez is finally picking up the points to bring the fight to Ferrari. And yeah, that's, that's a massive positive for the team and it's great to see for me. Now let's look at Mercedes, who are still somehow third in the constructors, mm. which is down to one man, let's be honest, and that man is George Russell. He had a weekend where in qualifying he came 11th, sprint he came 11th, and then finished fourth in the race. Meanwhile, Lewis Hamilton, 13th in qualifying, 14th in the sprint, and 13th in the main race. And the only place he gained in the main race was because of Ocon's five-second penalty. So it is... I mean, how do you look at Mercedes at the moment? Because as much as Nor uh, Russell sorry, has put in a really positive result, in general, that car is still looking very poor. Yeah, I'm just sorry. I was getting up the um, constructor, or well, not the constructor and the drivers championship, and it's as in I think with Mercedes for me, I think they they're obviously at risk if the results and the points of the car doesn't continue that McLaren could overtake them and they end up being the fourth best team, which I think would be a very disappointing year for for Mercedes, and it would put into question. For me, the, the the management of last year in terms of setting themselves up for, for the, obviously this year, the, the new cars. Um, I think, obviously, if you look at, look, for example, Lewis Hamilton's point of view, um, it was disappointing. It was, it was dreadful. Uh, I, th I don't think it helped, again, with, with having the sprint race weekend 
because obviously they they need to work out what's the issue is because obviously their sweet spot is absolutely massive because of the porpoising um, issues and just probably generally car problems. Um, so I don't think. And then going on to Russell, I think I, I I've got a feeling the driving style, what well, the driving in in terms of yeah the driving style of the cars this year suits him because it's smooth um it's more like controlled rather than front end um like um max and and lewis likes it um that's why i think perez is doing very very well this year as the cars are more suiting so i think if you're looking at that standpoint um evaluating mercedes as a whole for this season at the moment i think it's is at a point where the next two races are important and whether they continue on uh, this season in terms of the car or looking um, or looking at next year's like, development and developing the package and maybe go a different direction. In terms of um, the race, I think it was a, a very disappointing race for, for Lewis. Um, qualifying was utterly dreadful. The race, he just went nowhere. And uh, sorry, a sprint race went nowhere. In the race, I think he would have picked up more positions if the DRS was enabled. Because I remember the Gasly, he was a second behind. And then suddenly, um, yeah, he, he could have got Gasly and then maybe picked up more positions. But yeah, as you said, George Russell, I think, had a splendid weekend in terms of because of the car could have got overtaken by Bottas at the end, but Holder's nerved and, and, uh, and ultimately the Alfa Romeo is a faster car than, than the Mercedes at the moment. So he did very well defending over Bottas and obviously the memories of last year probably crept into both of their minds. So yeah, evaluating Mercedes at the moment for this weekend, I think it was, it was, I think bittersweet. I think I would I would say it. Like mm. that. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair evaluation. I mean, when you have Toto Wolf coming onto the team radio after the race and speed to Hamilton and apologising for the car, that's when you know that they're in a really difficult situation. I mean, Russell coming forth, of course, is a fantastic result. He did really well, and I think that. Him coming from a Williams last year that struggled in a few areas and getting used to a car that's not the fastest car and has problems that Russell is maybe, that's maybe helped him with the Mercedes this year because he's used to it with Williams. And then towards the end of his stint at Williams, he was really extracting a lot out of that car. And maybe he's coming to this Mercedes seat and he's extracting the most out of this Mercedes, but it's heavily rumoured and from quite good sources that Mercedes are going to bring upgrades to Miami and then are going to bring upgrades to the sixth race, which I think is Spain. Yeah, it's Spain. Yeah, it's Spain. And if they don't see any improvement, then they're going to concentrate on next season. That is what I've heard from quite good sources. What do you make of that? So Miami and Spain, they're going to bring 
big upgrades, and if they don't work, concentrating on next season. I think that for me, they have to, as in, it's in terms of the engine, I think it might be slightly down on power compared to the other engines, I think. But as McLaren's shown, they, they can get up to um, being the third best team or, you know, um, maybe slightly pushing Ferrari at some points or Red Bull. Um, in terms in terms of the upgrades, I think they have to be drastic. I think they have to improve it, improve it enough for them for for, for Mercedes to say, okay, we've got a shot at the title and getting back um, the the constructors for the season. But I don't know. As I'm looking at the standings at the moment, if you're looking at the Mercedes. Russ was in fourth with uh, 49. Then Lewis Hamilton is uh, with 28. So they still got, I think, time. Um, but I think, yeah, as you said, Miami, I think they have to see it show significant improvement, beat McLaren comfortably this time, being the third best team. And then Spain, I think it's trying to challenge the Red Bulls and the Ferraris because the points difference could be 80 points and with even with like 19 races left or 18 races left it's it's a tall order to to um to overtake for ferrari and red bull um because the points difference would be too much and obviously you'd be losing points gaining points at different points of the season um but it yeah it's it's Evaluating again, evaluating Mercedes, it's it's a tall order to 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 overtake um yeah. overtake those Red Bulls and Ferraris at the moment, unless drastic improvements. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. It'll be interesting to see if these rumors are hundred percent true, what improvements they made. Because I remember looking at Spanish testing, Spain testing, and they had a car which was very quick. It topped the timing sheets on a few occasions. And then they rocked up to Bahrain testing with this no side pod car that they have now. And it just seemed to be slower. I'm wondering if they potentially go back to the setup, the car they had in Spain and see if that works. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But let's move on to McLaren now. And you said that Mercedes recap was bittersweet, and I think that's pretty similar with McLaren. So with Lando, third in qualifying, of course, after his red flag helping him to that, fifth in the sprint race and third in the main race. So consecutive podiums at Imola, very impressive for him. And then with Ricardo, sixth in qualifying, sixth in the sprint, and then 18th in the actual race after getting damage from his crash with signs and not being able to recover. But yeah, how do you look at McLaren's weekend? Because Ricardo, as much as he hasn't performed as well as Norris in the race, has matched him pretty much when he didn't have damage and when he wasn't involved in a crash. Is this, is this Ricardo? Yeah, Ricardo. Yeah, um... I think Ricardo's doing a decent job. There's, I've seen some wacky rumours that it's going to be a mid-season swap between Ricardo and Gasly. I don't know if you've seen that, Sam, but it's just 
it's a bit wacky. I think I think Ricardo at the moment is a very very good fit for McLaren. He's he's improving. He's just got a very talented young driver next to him uh, in Lando Norris. Um, as you said, I think he was unlucky with the crash. I think he would have been behind um, uh, Norris, and I think he would have been ahead of Russell. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's just he's just having very bad luck at the moment, and it is again just it's it's Norris who just at the moment is taking his opportunities and being consistent, and I don't know, there's something about this McLaren that I think Ricardo's not extracting. Maybe it's braking. I think it's maybe a different braking system to it to it was at at Renault, um, but Norris is is absolutely. Um, extracting the max. Maybe it's a maybe it's a similar scenario with, uh, at, at Mercedes where uh, Norris is extracting everything, uh, like Russell and and Hamilton is struggling the, the same as the same as Ricardo. So that, that that's how I evaluate the, the weekend. Um, but yeah, it was is it is it, again. It was it was very bittersweet. Mm, yeah, it, it was. It certainly was that Norris is just looking very good at the moment. And it's interesting looking at, so we're four races in and the first two from McLaren were rubbish. And then the second two from McLaren, we've seen quite a bit of improvement. And I feel like Lando in his interviews is quite surprised by this improvement. So it'll be interesting to see if it carries on or whether these two races have been flukes. So 22 points for McLaren. If they, if you'd have told them they'd have got twenty-two points in Imola when looking in Saudi Arabia or Bahrain, they they'd have taken that hundred percent. So solid points from McLaren, and then Ricardo, I think, is getting closer. Just unfortunate in the race. Now on to Alfa Romeo, the team that you said is faster than Mercedes in terms of their speed. They had Valtteri Bottas, of course. Eighth in qualifying, seventh in the sprint, and then fifth in the actual race with gradual improvement there. And then Zhou Guan Yu, 14th in qualifying, 20th in the sprint after a spin, uh, after an altercation with Gasly, sorry, and then 15th in the actual race. How would you sum up Alfa Romeo's weekend? Uh, uh... I think it's is it's like two halves. I think at the moment this is from I think yeah at the moment it's it's just two halves and Bottas is taking the shackles off of Mercedes and and absolutely driving this Alfa Romeo t- t- so well and he's he's it proves my point that I said um, last year that this Hamilton is extra ex- was it just extraordinarily quick in that. Um, Mercedes and that like era of Mercedes dominance and Bottas was just quick but just didn't have any confidence um, and he's getting the maximum out of this car and he's looking quick he's looking like potentially if when when Hamilton does retire they can just go back into that Mercedes um, and basically showing to Mercedes it was a mistake of letting me go you should have taking me rather than Russell, but I think he's just probably very happy at the moment. He's not in that um, struggling Mercedes. So I think Bottas would be very happy. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou, I think 
is his rookie year. It might be being a bit too harsh, but it's 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 not. It's very hard to judge if it's the car or is it him, um, because obviously Bottas is getting the maximum out of that car and is putting it P five. Could have even been P three. Um, so it's quite hard to evaluate a Wan Yuzhou, um, but it, it will we'll have to wait and see if is if development continues of him struggling or or him suddenly finding his feet and matching his teammate. Mm, yeah, I agree with Bottas. He has just been superb this year in the Alfa Romeo. And it's great to see him. He just has a smile on his face. He seems a lot happier around the paddock. He has a laugh with Hamilton now. Um, there's been loads of images. And like that, it seems like their friendship is really solid and quite underrated. But yeah, he just seems so much happier in this team where he's seen as the top driver. And then with Joe, with four races into his rookie season, I just don't think you can judge him yet. I think you need to give him time. For me, he wasn't... I mean, he came third in the F2 last year. So he was statistically the third best driver. I think he was second. No, he came third. He finished third. He got pipped um, towards the end by, I want to say, Robert Schwartzman, but I might oh. be wrong. But, yeah, he finished third last year in F2. So you need to you need to give him time. He's going to take a while to adjust. But on the whole, 12 points for Alfa Romeo, very solid. The same can't be said for Alpine, who had a bit of a nightmare this weekend with reliability. First of all, Ocon, 19th in qualifying after having a, a, a technical issue, meaning that he couldn't come out and set another lap. 16th in the sprint, so going up the order, and then he would have gone up the order even further if he didn't get a five-second penalty, which wasn't his fault, so ended up finishing 14th. And then with Alonso, 5th in qualifying, very good. Ninth in the sprint, still solid, and then DNFing after contact, which wasn't his fault. So, how would you summarize Alpine? Just an unlucky weekend from them, I guess. Yeah, I think it was uh, quite a. I wouldn't say shambolic because I think Lonzo could have could have done very well um, in the race if he because he's he's very good in the wet if. Um, if he didn't have that contact with Schumacher, but yeah, I, on the Ocon thing, it just came down. I think they would have got a point. I can't remember if if, if they wasn't for the five second mistake. So yeah, it's just a very unlucky, unlucky performance from from uh, Alpine. Mm, yeah, I would agree. Unlucky is the way to summarize it. Now on to Alpha Tauri, who got some points this weekend after a very poor qualifying but it wasn't the driver most would expect so first of all Pierre Gasly finished 17th in qualifying 17th in the sprint and then 12th in the race on Sunday but then Yuki Tsunoda finished 16th in qualifying so beating Gasly there finished 12th in the sprint again beating Gasly but Gasly did have a puncture after contact with Joe and then finished seventh on Sunday, which is a very good result. Is this the start of Sonoda 
his amazing F1 career? Is this the start? Is this where he's going to start matching Gasly or is it a one-off? How do you look at the Alpha Tauri team at their home race in Imola? Um, I, I think Sonoda has shown, I think at the beginning of the season, I think I said it could, is, it, it's either break or bust, I think, for him. And I think he's starting to show maturity. I think he's starting to actually put performances together. And I think as yeah, I I I think he's gonna start matching Gasly and showing why he should be in that alpha Atari car rather than some I don't know, like guy like um Alex Albon, for example. Um so yeah, he he he's showing his performance and he's doing a very good job and he's matching Gasly on to Gasly, just a very unlucky weekend for him. Um I I've got, I forgot where he qualified. seventeenth. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think in terms of um, qualifying, I think it's just a whole team performance was was not very good. But in terms of like the drivers and obviously the sprint and the race, I think they did both a very, very good job and to get the maximum out of their their car. Mm. Yeah, no, Sonoda, fantastic race from him. Really, really happy with that. Now on to Haas, and this season has been we've talked about how it's been a bit hot and cold in a few of the garages this weekend but it has especially been hot and cold in the Haas garage for the whole season so far so you have Kevin Magnussen of course coming back into Haas coming fourth in qualifying a fantastic result the best result in qualifying Haas have ever had bear in mind this is the same man who this season got um fifth place in Bahrain as well which was just a fantastic result in the race then eighth in the sprint holding on to the last points position in that and then ninth in the race getting more points and then you have Schumacher on the other side of the garage 12th in qualifying 10th in the sprint which was actually a very solid result. And it was unlucky because if he would have been 10th in the race, then he'd have got a point. But of course, only points down to eighth in the sprint. But then in the race, he just was all over the place, had so many moments, including on lap one, and finished 17th. I saw a TikTok of a guy who does this thing called Fraud Watch. And uh, with F1 drivers. And he was saying a few, I think it was after Australia or maybe Saudi Arabia, that Schumacher is on fraud watch. And after watching Imola, he said that Schumacher was fraud watch. How would you look at Haas this weekend? And are these performances from Schumacher quite worrying? Um, I think it's quite worrying. I think the only thing is quite worrying in the sense that his um, he's not getting any points. I think that's the only, but that was the only thing you'd be worried about. And I wouldn't say he's a fraud. I think he's if you put Mazepin um, next to him, like so, Kevin Magnussen wasn't there. I think it would have he has to be on zero points. Um, I think it's just the fact that Kevin Magnussen's knows how to drive very fast he's got the experience um and 
uh, he's got just the maximum and been the right place at the right time. Um, because I think if Mick Schumacher wasn't in the um, midfield, as in like 13th to 5th to 16th, I think he, not in the incident zone, I would say, he could have got some points by now. Um, but maybe just needs to prove on his qualifying in order to to get up the order. I think he qualified 11th. 12th. 12th. So, yeah, he, he could have. Don't know. Maybe the next step is just getting to Q3, and then he'll be able to get some points. But I th- I see more improvement in him than I did um, last season. So it's 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 again. I think it's again as you said about Juan Yuzhu. I think it's just waiting. Obviously, he's not a rookie, but I think effectively he is a rookie. Just the fact is that Has car last year was diabolical. Um, and he's got actually got a semi-competitive car this year, so it's just just time. I think I just need to wait on time. I think if it comes to the end of the season and he's got zero points and he's behind Latifi, for example, I think then people can start slagging him off and saying he shouldn't be in the sport. But I think you just have to. It's just waiting on time. Mm, yeah, it is an interesting dynamic, Schumacher. First of all, though. Magnussen, just a fantastic weekend, fantastic points. He's doing so well, and it's great to see him back in the sport performing. But with Schumacher, the dynamic is that he was much better than Mazepin last year. That's definitely fair to say. But it's hard to judge him as a driver because you're now looking at it and thinking, was Schumacher finishing higher than Mazepin because Mazepin was bad or was he finishing because he was a lot better because you now have Magnussen who's come back into the car and Magnussen is head and shoulders above Schumacher but I I, I do agree with you that we do need to give him time only four races into the season it takes some drivers a while to get going but he's certainly one that people need to keep an eye on in terms of his performances, because he does need to start improving if this Haas car is going to compete in the midfield. Now moving on to a team that were absolutely rubbish up to Imola and now aren't on the bottom of the of the table, and that being Aston Martin. First of all, Sebastian Vettel, ninth in qualifying, a very good result, 13th in the sprint, and then eighth in the race on Sunday. Again, a very solid result. And then Lance Stroll, 15th in qualifying, 15th in the sprint, and then getting 10th in the race. So getting the last points position. So double points at Aston Martin, who we have slagged off quite significantly up to this race. But how would you look at Aston Martin's weekend? Is this a sign of things to come? Are they now going to start competing for points more regularly? Um, I, I, I think still, I think Aston Martin will still struggle. For, for me, I don't think they've got, they were just lucky in terms of the, that you couldn't overtake. The fact is that the DRS wasn't this, uh, enabled quick enough. I think, I think at the time, um, who was behind Vettel at the time, I can't remember. It was ninth. Um, I, 
as as I was just saying this and just effectively there's this cars behind that could have got past past them if DRS was enabled and the fact is that I think the Williams uh kind of put a block um to like the Mercedes or the Alpha Tauris attacking the Aston Martins um so so effectively I I think it was a very good weekend but I think got helped from teams like Williams basically being slower and, and putting a block, um, creating a DRS train. Mm. But it's the, the only improvement I would say is that it looks like Vettel's getting back into the groove and Stroll's got some slightly more improvement, not a, a bit less hot-headed. So in that sense, I wouldn't say an improvement, but I think we would have to give Miami and Spain before saying that Aston Martin are on the on their up. Because, for example, uh, last week, for example, Williams, <laughs> Albon getting a point. You could say Williams are on the up, but at the moment they're, they're, they're just struggling to get some points So this weekend. So it's 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 evaluating their uh, Aston Martin's performance race by race before judging them. Mm, but yeah, well, you mentioned the Williams there, and we're going to come on to them now. First of all, deploying some very interesting uh, tactics, shedding paint. So they rocked this blue and black look where they didn't have as much paint on the car in an attempt to lose weight and be faster which I thought was quite interesting, quite annoying because I'm pretty sure I voted them as my favourite livery. And now they've, now they've ruined it on race four, which is, which is not, not, well, I'm not very happy about it anyway. But look at the driver's performance. First of all, Albon, who, despite not getting points, actually had a very good race. Finish, uh, finishing qualifying 20th after his car basically exploding, then 18th in the sprint, climbing slightly and then 11th in the race holding up as you said basically half I mean both of the Mercedes he held up Gasly he held up so many cars so had a very solid race to finish 11th and then with Latifi 18th in qualifying 19th in the sprint 16th in the main race just had a real Latifi race, nothing really happened from his point of view. But yeah, how do you look at the Williams's performance this weekend? Because as much as they didn't get points, Albon and P11 again putting in a very good performance. I think it's quite for me, it's quite hard to judge Williams's performance if how as in how far off the like the midfield, because effectively they got one point, but I think they could easily have more. Um but yeah, so it's quite hard to judge um, the pace of that Williams just because Albon is 11th and then Latifi is like 16th and Miles 16th. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's either Albon is getting the maximum out of the car and is just doing a rustle, which I personally don't think I think the Williams are at that point where they could they're breaking into getting regular points for one car. Um so that that means Latifi is just miles off the pace and it's it's getting I as I saw some very strong not strong rumors uh, on um some reliable Twitter 
um, channels that Latifi might for next season might get replaced by Oscar Priastri. I think Williams are looking at at him. So Latifi does need to pick up his pace. I don't. I, I also don't know how how he's struggling in terms of the car where he's uh, sorry struggling in the team where he's been in the team for I think like three years. So it's for me it's judged. It's yeah, as I said, it's hard to judge Williams just because of the comparison between the two drivers. Mm. It's quite big. Mm, yeah. Well, I think it was Ted Kravitz that sparked those rumors because. Ted Kravitz in his notebook after the race on Sunday was saying that Piastri is being looked at for a Williams seat, but I've also seen that Nick DeVries is the other option that they're considering. So if Williams are going to drop a driver next year, it's between DeVries and um Piastri so it'll be interesting to see what happens there of course DeVries being a Mercedes driver Williams Mercedes powerwoods but then this year they went for Albon over DeVries because they decided to make the choice over who would be the better driver not just uh happily letting Williams basically be a Mercedes feeder team so it'll be interesting from that point of view and there's also an interesting dynamic which is similar to Hatz is Albon just been really good this season or is Latifi making him look good? Yeah. Like you have that you have that dynamic. The same with Schumacher last year. Has Schumacher been doing really well or has Mazepin just been really bad? So you have this dynamic with a few teams. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Williams. But so, not, yeah, go for do, it. Do, do, do you think, as in I don't know if Williams would be this ruthless, Drop Latifi midway through the season. I rip up the contract so. and say you're too slow. Let's get Piastri in because Piastri is a reserve driver for McLaren and a num. I think also Aston Martin uh, and maybe Williams as well. I can't remember. I oh, know it might be that. Be that may be Nick DeFree. So, do you think? Do you think there may be a scenario where they sack off? Um, uh, Nick um, Nick Latifi, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, Nicholas Latifi, sorry, and uh, gets either Nick DeFries or or um, Piastri in for the rest of the season. I don't think it will come to that. I think if they do make a driver change, it would be at the end of the season because at the end of the day, as much as F1 shouldn't be done on this, the amount of Latifi is bringing into Williams, I don't think they can drop that midway through the season. I don't think they can afford to. So if they do make a change, I think it would be at the end of the season. I've also seen a few people saying that, yes, Piastri is being linked. Yes, DeVries is being linked. But their, their thinking is that if they're going to get a seat, it would actually be Albon that leaves it because they're so Williams are so dependent on the money that Latifi brings in. So it's... It's an interesting dynamic. I've used that phrase quite a bit, but De Vries and Piastri, both are two drivers that I've spoken in the past that deserve an F1 seat. But if it happens, I think Piastri will definitely get one. I think, though, that De Vries, I think his one opportunity was last year and they gave it to Albon. 
I think that Piastri will get a seat, but I think that De Vries will unfortunately not be. I, I don't think they'd replace Latifi mid season, in my opinion, anyway. Um, moving on to driver of the weekend, because of course we had the sprint race this weekend. So we can talk about uh the driver that has performed over Saturday and Sunday. So I'm I'm gonna go first with this because I'm going to give it to George Russell. Because I mean he, he's more of a candidate for driver of the day, to be honest, because he didn't have a very impressive sprint race. But I think if you're considering the drawbacks to the Mercedes, they're in a struggling car. They don't have the pace to match. They have terrible porpoising issues. And the, they've got a, a great driver lineup. So Russell coming 11th in the sprint, but then finishing fourth in the race. I think what emphasises how good a result this was is the fact that he finished nine places above his teammate. And it's not like Albon finishing nine places above Latifi. This is Russell finishing nine places above, in my opinion, the greatest F1 driver of all time. So this result cannot be overlooked. Fourth place is very good and... Considering, again, how much the car struggled this year, it's crazy the statistic that Russell is the only driver on the grid to finish in the top five in every race. I know we're only four races in, but that's super impressive. He has been very consistent, and he is my driver of the weekend just because he has extracted every last bit out of that car. But Joe, who are you going for for driver of the weekend? I think driver of the week. I think for me, I think it's just it's another Brit. It's obviously uh, I think I have to be for me. Lando Norris has it's been basically the consistent. If you take out the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, who would have um, walked the qualifying and he would have walked the sprint and the and the race. So, so for me, he's the best of the rest and comfortably and relaxingly best of the rest I would say bluntly in the way that he he was miles in front during the race I think it was I remember in the commentary just the fact is that he he wasn't even I don't think he wasn't um in some of the race he part of the race he wasn't even um commentated on for, for large parts of it so it just shows how he just got on with it quite a boring race but quite nice just considering the struggles this season for McLaren so for me and also and also qualifying getting that car to P3 was a very impressive performance and, and ahead of the um the Red Bull and obviously science even though he, he hit the wall mm, yeah a very fantastic weekend for Norris a very good weekend but a few other options, because I, I do want to shout out a few other options, because a few drivers had very good weekends. Yuki Tsunoda, as I mentioned earlier, I, I really like Yuki, and he was close to being my driver of the weekend, just from the fact that 16th to 12th and then 12th to 7th, just making his way up the, up the grid. And we know from Hamilton's struggles, from Gasly's struggles, how hard it's been to make their way up the grid because there was a Williams 
lorry taking up half the track for the majority of the race, meaning it was hard to overtake. So I think Sonoda, fantastic race. And Vettel, eighth place in an Aston Martin that we have slated a lot this year for being very poor. So a fantastic race for Vettel as well. And then, of course, Bottas, very solid weekend, eighth to seventh to fifth, very good as well. So I did want to point those out. And that wraps up our podcast looking at the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix. We are sorry that it's coming out uh, quite a few days after the race, but we hope you enjoyed. Remember to like and subscribe. We will be back for a preview and all the things that come with that in one week's time or less than a week's time as we have the Miami Grand Prix next weekend. We hope you can join us for our reviews and previews for that beer as i said thank you for listening remember to follow us on social the links are down below to stay up to date with all we have going on and we'll see you in the next one cheers